Thank you very much, Chris, for, for that. That was lovely. Just to be prayed for just before we come up to pray of what I think is a very fascinating subject. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a privilege to be able to, preach, to speak on it because I've found that God, in his love and in his grace and in his mercy, has poured his blessings upon me time and time and time again when I've been able to work together with others in praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, first of all, though, two books that I want you to take note of because I think they're excellent. They help me in preparing some parts of the sermon. One is by Oswald Chambers, if you will ask, and it's Reflections on the Power of Prayer. And believe you me, prayer is very powerful. And the other one, something which is something which we forget about, the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. They're two good books. They're both available from um, Illuminate. Thank you very much indeed, from Illuminate, because I can never remember. And uh, I want to start off, really, uh, with some interesting stories. Uh, this took place in 1906. It's the birthplace of Pentecostalism. It's a place called Sousa Street in America, in, uh, in, in uh, California. And um, the Christians were all gathered there together, and they were having a great time with God. And suddenly, the Spirit descended upon them, and their faces lit up, and, they, and it was so bright, their faces were so bright, they couldn't look at one another. So what did they do? They put orange boxes on top of their heads, so they could bear with being in each other's presence. And then the next week came, so the first thing they did when they walked into church was get hold of the orange box and put it on their head. Nothing happened. But it was the birthplace of Pentecostalism. And often we think praying in the Spirit is the use of tongues, the use of, uh, of power. I've been to prayer meetings where people have actually beaten up God. Where they've run around and they've shouted at God and they've been saying, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. And you know what? God hears, but that often is so interesting. Let me tell you the story of these three boys. It goes way back, this is way back in 19, oh, I don't know when. Um, long before I was in the ministry, I was the leader of a youth group. Uh, at least I wasn't leader of a youth group, I was just a member of the congregation. And someone, uh, and three of these three lads were converted. And the, the curate said to me, he said, David, what can we do with them? I said, well, on a Sunday afternoon, I tell you what, I'll teach them to pray. And that was the biggest joke of all, because I didn't really know how to pray myself. And then... I got hold of a book by someone called O'Hallersby about prayer. And it was a wonderful book, and I just took the lads through it. But they learned to pray. Not silent prayers, not quiet time prayers, but open prayers in public. They learned to pray. And then they started to pray for their friends. They started to pray for more friends. And from that three, those three boys, grew a youth group of over 70 youngsters. And it only took a couple of years. And they all used to meet in our front room. That was terrible. This is another story. Um, it's the Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool. And just uh, it's just a story of a meeting that was taking place there. I'll tell you when it was. It was in 1983, in the preparation and build-up for Mission England. And I was on the platform, because that was part of my role then. And then... Uh, Graham Kendrick was leading the worship and suddenly and we watched it happen from the 
from the book, from the platform, God came and touched the whole of the congregation that was there and people just burst into tears at the way that God worked within them. And it was an absolutely wonderful experience to be. And Brian Mills and myself who were sitting together, we, we, we started to pray. And we prayed that the police would have a, a bust of drugs in, the, in Liverpool. That We just felt led to pray that way. And it happened. You know, there was a big bust for drug dealers in, in Liverpool. Young people pray. This is when I was a youth leader. At least I was a curate, really, but I was really the youth leader. And um, the youngsters met to pray. They prayed for their friends to be converted at a weekend house party. And the prayers were earnest. Not sort of, um, you know, the beating up God type prayer, but really, Lord, just save John, save Bill, save Harry. And you know what? They went away on that weekend house party and 25 young people gave their lives to the Lord simply because young people prayed for their friends and they prayed earnestly. That's what we forget, you know, that we forget that when we pray, it's not just coming with a list of things, it's coming for a communication with God. And this is a quote from the Pope. And it's uh, an unusual one, because he's talking about praying in the Spirit. First of all, we're unable to abandon and overcome every form of fear of slavery, experience the true freedom of the children of God. If we pray in the Spirit, we have freedom. And so often we're so hidebound. One of the things that I've found is that we come together in a prayer meeting and we're afraid to pray because we're afraid of what people might think of what we're praying. We don't have any freedom simply because we don't allow God to work in us. What happens is that we try to think our own prayers through. I know that's an exaggeration, but that makes the point. We have to experience that freedom that we have as the children of God. You know, Paul writing to Timothy said, I've given you a spirit of freedom, not of bondage. The second cause is that our relationship with God becomes so deep that it, can, it is not impacted by any reality or situation. Our relationship with God is such, if we're really allowing God the Spirit to work within us as we pray, it's, it's, nothing can shake that reality of knowing God. Nothing. Illness, disaster, we know that God is God because that's what we believe. The third and final outcome is of the reliance on the Holy Spirit is that the prayer of the believer is also open to the dimensions of humanity and of all creation. One of the beautiful things about prayer is that we this morning can be praying for people in Hong Kong, people in Papua New Guinea, people in Korea. We can be praying here for them. God hears those prayers and we're able to reach out to them. We can read the stories of, uh, of people being persecuted and we can pray for them. Now, I, I, many you know, I must, must stop being having a memory. Many, many years ago, I was walking in a park with um, Richard Wurmbrandt and we were, he, we were just chatting away about the various things that he'd been through in his prison life. And he said, one of the things that sustained me there in that prison was the power of prayer that was being prayed for me because people knew of the, of the situation that I was in. See, this wasn't just 
big prayer meetings. This was people like us just getting on our knees and praying for that situation. And whoops a daisy, God's promise in the Old Testament, in Zechariah. He says this, I will pour out on the house of David and on the habits of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. That's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. I must share this with you. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, in 1983-84-85, belonged to a prayer triplet group. Right? And you know what? One of the sad things is, I know there, there are things for the moment, but the, the whole purpose of that prayer triplet praying was very simple. It was so that people could be brought into a relationship with God and be converted. That was the whole purpose of it. But somehow or other, it, it got sort of, uh, it, it got hijacked in a way which wasn't good. And we lost the emphasis of evangelism with that prayer triplet praying. Just a thought. We do not know how to pray. And prayer is not just an exercise, it is a way of life. That's what it says in Romans 8.26. It's a way of life. I came to mind, I was saying to Jenny, I said uh, this morning, prayer is not a, just for Christmas, it is for life. Prayer is a daily thing. It's something which we've got to do. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are released from our petitions. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't know about you, but I've got, <laughs> I've got a prayer list that's so long, it's, it's unbelievable. Because all, you know, contacts I've made over the years and, and, and things I've been involved with. But the prayer list is such that it's there for my guidance. But often when I'm praying, I find myself praying things that I hadn't even thought of because God is just sharing it with us. And the, the elementary part of prayer, because everyone can do it. Everyone. We don't have to be a theologian. We don't have to be a vicar. We don't have... There's a, a, a statistic which has come out from America uh, and I'm sure it's equally true in this country as well that the average Christian spends four minutes a day with God. And the average pastor, vicar, spends seven. When we were in Ibiza, we had a little... Is it working? Uh, we had a little booklet, which we, I, we mentioned it before we went, called um, Inspiring Prayer. Inspiring Prayer. It's only just a little booklet. It's a wonderful little booklet because it starts off with basically not knowing anything and you end up by prayer walking. It's all in about 20 pages. It's well worth getting hold of that booklet. And I will get some more here for next week because I didn't, they haven't arrived yet. But they will be here for next week so I'll make sure that everyone knows about them. Because what it is, it's just a wonderful book. But when we were in Ibiza, uh, we had an average congregation of 25 twice a day. So that meant about 50 people a day over eight weeks. That's 400 people. And you know, over 80 people took that book, Inspiring Prayer, which is 20%. And we, these are people who we thought were really deep, mature Christians, 
who knew how to pray in the power of the Spirit. And they found that they weren't able to pray, and they wanted to be taught how to pray. And I think you know, these are things which we, we often forget, that it's simple to pray, but there are steps which we can go along, which can take us. And one of the other things, too, I, I, I've noticed, and I, I've, this over the years I've noticed this, the number of people who are put off prayer because some people pray long prayers. Some people, you know, they, they, I, I use the term, beat up God. But they really do. And of course, little Joe Bloggs, who's come to a prayer meeting for the first time, they hear these wonderful prayers of the saints. And they say, I can't do that. And they're put off praying. But then again, if we're praying in the Spirit, one of the things we find is that we have to have a sense of need. We have to realize that we are empty, we've got nothing. And that God can fill us and then speak through us. And the sense of a need is a blessing because it keep, keeps us rightly related to Jesus. It keeps us there. It keeps us needing on him. Also gives us a sense, I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. Also gives us a sense of restraint. How many times have you sort of sat down, I must pray for... And you get there and you somehow you're stopped from praying. You're stopped from praying for that person or for that situation. Because that's the Spirit working in stopping us from praying. Things that we can't pray for or about. In Psalm 106, verse 15, He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their hearts. And John 15, 7 said, We shall ask what He wants us to ask. Not what we want to ask. I'm still waiting for me Rolls Royce, which I've been praying for for years. We have to have a sense of what Jesus has done. We are heard in heaven only on the ground of the atonement. The only ground of our approach to God is by the blood of Jesus, what he has done for us. We cannot get there otherwise. And understanding the depths of God's resources, being reckless in our confidence in God. Sometimes we are so mealy-mouthed in our prayers that we forget that we're coming to a king. And he's got all the resources, all the depth, all the things that he can give to us. And he wants to give them to us. But we turn around and, well, we just don't know what to say. We're not reckless. Um, and we have to have a more intimate conception of God. It means getting to know him. As we pray in the Spirit, we begin to realize the resources of God. You know, I, I think of old saints like... Um, Hudson Taylor of the China Inland Mission, we heard about him the other week. He didn't, he didn't write prayer letters. He didn't make demands on people for money. He just took his needs to God and said, Lord, this is what we need. And God provided. And then there's George Muller, who sort of, uh, you know, prayed, can you give me the um, bread from my table? 
and the bread arrived because the baker's van broke down outside. But God hears our prayers and if we're reckless in our prayers, it's amazing how God will answer them. But we have to be reckless. We have to... Yeah. As we pray this bit, we begin to realize the resources of God. And God, and if we pray in the Spirit, it changes the atmosphere about it. Because we're not wrestling against... Uh, the enemy is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And we have to remember that. That it is... Our, our enemy is not flesh and blood. We have to pray in the Spirit against certain things because we're resting with them. And he sorts it out. And he changes the atmosphere around us. Because where you are, God is. Some of you will have heard the story that Jenny and I talked about by this guy named John when we were in Ibiza. And you know, this is something of the power of God at work. We were playing pool. We were playing pool in the in the one of the hotels, and we were having a good time, having a laugh and a joke and what have you. And afterwards, we were sitting down having a cup of coffee, and John came across to us and simply said, "He said, when you walked into that place, God was there. We were just David and Jenny, but God was there, and He recognized something in us that was powerful to Him." We had a long conversation with him about what, it, what it, we were talking about. And then we were, we were able to give him, we don't know the result of this, we were able to give him the little booklet, Steps to Peace with God, because we felt that he needed that to know that his relationship with God could be real rather than the God that we portray as a church sometimes. We should be making praying in the Spirit a habit. Pray without ceasing. You know, there's only one way we can learn to pray. It's like riding a bicycle, and that's doing it. Remembering your pin number, or your pin. You know, you've got to keep using it. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Be a child, in absolute dependence upon God. The only one who prays in the Holy Spirit is the child. But I've also added the childlike spirit within us. It's only as we sense that need, we realize what, that what we can, that we have to come to God when we're useless, we have nothing ourselves. You know, a child is, you know, you often see a child just put a, his hand in the, in the hand of a parent. We all, we've all experienced it. Putting his hand there, because he trusts us, as we must trust our Heavenly Father. And having absolute confidence in God that God can and God will and bring things he brings things naturally to our mind I want to tell you a story because often we get so confused about what it means to pray in the spirit I love the story of Nehemiah you know when he was uh, you know he goes into the king and he said the king says what's wrong with you and the king and he tells him what's, what, what he wants to happen and the king grants his wish. And we all say, oh, that's the way we should pray. Just send up arrow prayers just like that. It ain't. Because just listen to this. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah and with some other men. And I questioned about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile. 
and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, and he goes on to, to, to write a quiet prayer of his own. Then he goes on to say, I was very much afraid, that uh, woman, uh, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th uh, year of King Artaxes, when, I, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, here's the arrow prayer, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my brothers are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? What is it you want? said the king. Then I pray to the God of heaven, I answer the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nearby was a broken man, but he prayed in the spirit. He heard the news from Jerusalem. He broke down in anguish. He wept and fasted and prayed. Then he went into the king. Nehemiah knew his God. Nehemiah knew his God. And we cannot pray in the power of the Holy Spirit unless we really know our Father. We really know him. We can only know him by being a serious student of the word of God, the Bible. Today we have so much help to read the Bible, but we often, but often we read the commentary, not the word. Think of UCB, think of, you know, all these things, we read the commentary and we never think to read what's actually written in the word. Ephesians 6. There's a lovely pattern there for us to put on the whole armor of God. And we cannot pray in the power of, God, power of the Spirit if we rely on others' experience of God. We have to know God ourselves. Not, you don't want, to, you don't want my experience of God because my experience is unique to me. You want your own experience of God so that you can pray in the power of the Spirit. I've got two handouts at the back. One is quite simply, you've got seven minutes for God. And then there's the other one, getting a grip on prayer. Can I say, if you can grab one, just take one and use them. And if we, and they're, they're very good. Praying the hand and have you got seven minutes for God. But how do you measure your spiritual life? It's very easy for me to stand and preach and say, this is what we should do, this is what we can't do. To preach on prayer, to talk about prayer and about praying. But how do you, how do you measure your spiritual life? Well, I'm telling you this now. It's not how many meetings you go to. It's not how many gifts you have. It's not how many sermons you preach. It's not how many records you've made. But tell me, what time you spend alone with God? 
that will tell me how spiritual you are. That will tell me if you really pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Become a serious student of this book. Don't throw away the UCBs and things like that. But don't just read the commentary. Read the real script, the script that's written in here. And get really to know your Father for yourself. Because that's the way in which we'll grow in prayer as a church by each one of us individually getting to know our Father and all that he has for us. Because it's all written in this book. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, help us just to know you more. Help us to love you more. Help us to Help us to want to be with you so that you envelop us in, in your life and that our life will be yours. Help us to know you so well we'll have no fear of coming to you in prayer because we know that we'll be praying not on our own but by the Spirit whom you can, who indwells us because of what you've given us. So Father, help us, we pray, just to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris, thank you very much.